Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney, where we are talking through the doo-doos of learner-centered, proficiency-based education. My name is Matthew Shade. With me today, as always, <laughs> it's me, Courtney Malolan. So before we start today's podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us grow the show. We have also had some issues with people downloading this one so or downloading our past couple so if you are a subscriber please yeah you have to unsubscribe and then resubscribe it sounds weird but i i've heard it on some podcasts that i listen to regularly so it's a thing it's a thing it happens <laughs> we changed our hosters yeah. so you may need to download although if you're listening to this you've probably already done that yeah so good job you figured it out and please spread the word <laughs> Uh, so anyway, you can follow us on Twitter at, at PLearnMC. You can follow me at Eat Sleep Stats. I'm at BelowLenC. You can visit us on Facebook. Um, our page there is PLearnWithMC. And our website where you can go to get all of this stuff. And that is PLearnMC.Weebly.com. And here we go. Standard segment number one, the parking lot. Yes, you can find the parking lot on our website, as Courtney just mentioned. Um, we've got some great questions today. We do. All right. So the first one talks about flex grouping. Uh, what are your thoughts on creating leveled groups for students to work with like learners? My school does this. Is personalized learning harder to do with this structure? Um, I wonder if they're actually talking about tracking. I, I think Yeah. You know, like I think flex grouping can be one of those buzz, buzzwords that really means tracking. Um, to me, if we go with flex grouping and, and how we, Matt, you and I understand it to mean that it's flexible, so it's not the same group all the time and it changes depending on different factors, then yes, absolutely, that is something that needs to happen and is a feature of personalized learning. Exactly, exactly. It's more about the kid's readiness level at that moment right. rather than... I. I interpreted this as uh, like learners being kids are all on the same level, which right. is great to start with. Yeah. But it seems like the flex grouping doesn't really flex throughout the year. Right. That's what I'm interpreting this question as. Right. Me too. Yeah. And and that's that's not right. So kids right. can potentially move through the, the the progressions at their own readiness level, and then you group and regroup constantly to get kids working on the same targets. Right. But. They could go fast, they could go slow, they could do both throughout the year, mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. So that's that's how I interpreted that. So personalized learning is not harder to do. In fact, as Courtney said, it's a feature. It's a feature. Not a bug. Right. All right, so the next one, Courtney. Parents. What role do parents play in all this? Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at it. I'm not laughing at parents. I'm a parent myself, damn it. That's true, me too. <laughs> me too. I guess, I feel like a lot of times these questions come up, not just this this particular one, that it's like the what if, what about, and it's like, it hasn't, still, what are you doing now? Do that, like, what? A lot of it, yeah, a lot of it, yeah. it, this isn't such a huge change in a model that, okay, we're throwing everything out right. and <laughs> right. starting over. No, right. It's like, no, throw out the bad stuff we're doing yeah. and keep the good stuff. You know, it's the old, the, the cliche is... Don't, don't say th it. I'm, don't okay. say it. Okay, we all know what that is. <laughs> so every time this comes up, it's the question, okay, I'm doing this and this and this, and I'm trying to help kids, and I'm grouping like this. And we're like, well, okay, uh, keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay, what are you doing that's not good? Well, I stopped doing that. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, not that, it's not that hard. It seems like it's hard, but 
every teacher out there is doing some good things. Yeah, you know? a lot of every good parent things. out there is doing some good things. Uh, we're also all doing some bad things. You know, every one of us, and yeah. that's that's just the way that's it, it the goes. Truth. So, what our goal with the system is is trying to stop doing those bad things and really emphasize the good things and get better at them for our kids. <laughs> do, do more good, less bad. Do more good. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. So anyway, so so the role of parents has not really changed that drastically, but here are some thoughts on how to be a rockin' parent in a personalized learning system. Number one, we can hear some awesome parents in a personalized learning system <laughs> yes. right now. So I think I think one thing that could be really cool is to let um, let teachers or teams know kind of like what your personal areas of interest are not necessarily like it'd be cool to know your job too you know but like any like awesome things you do like we all have interests and talents right. and if if you're willing to share those with kids let your teachers know because a lot of times when teachers are designing you know interdisciplinary experiences or, or you know personalized learning like it's really nice to know people in the community that you can connect with to have come in or help find resources right. so like that's one way to be an awesome parent absolutely um, I think the other thing is to ask the right kinds of questions and this can be it can go like at home you know at the dinner table <laughs> and it can go like you know when you're talking to a teacher because your middle schooler has stopped telling you anything about their life and you're a little curious about what's going on <laughs> that's true that's very true <laughs> it happens that's very true <laughs> like, so I think um, a lot of teachers use this idea of an essential question or a drive-in question find out what that question is like because that's the question that kind of ties a lot of learning together so for example I was working with a group of teachers today and we were tossing around essential question ideas that have to do with the human body and so like one we came to was like how do we know what's going on inside of the human body <laughs> that's right? a good question seriously like, that's, a, that's a really good like yeah, stop actually, and think about that like I, how I wanna, do we know all these I, things i'd like to go learn some of that stuff because yeah. i don't know so that's anyway, cool it's a cool question yeah that's really but, good like, so if i were and i have kids so like as a parent like if i knew that that's what my kids were talking about and thinking about in school instead of just human body systems like right. i'm way more likely to be like so what are you doing to like, what have you learned today that's helping you figure that question out? And mm -hmm. so like asking about that question, I think hugely stop asking, what did you do in school today? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> we know the answer is nothing. Yep, every um, time, <laughs> every um, time. Ask about what they learned, ask about what you're learning and how what they're learning is helping them answer their questions. I like. Yeah. Um, I think I like this idea too, like ask your, ask your kids, how what they're learning in school relates to what they like to do outside of school. And I'm talking about things more than just the subjects. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking about like talking about like, so you're working on this independent, you know, you're writing an essay that's due on Friday or whatever. How is like this idea of like figuring out due dates and what work has to be done? Like, hey, how can that help you um, in your you know, taking apart the TV and putting it back together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just making those connections. Right. Yeah. So that's that's my that's what I think about the role of the parent. I like. Fantastic. Let's move to the next one. It's titled Wait, what? What? A classroom with no desks. Where do students work? Where do they keep their things? What about the seating chart? <laughs> 
how is this an organized learning environment, Courtney? Mm. I suppose it depends how you're defining organized. Oh, snap. And what you're organizing and what you're prioritizing to organize. Let's talk about this because um, I actually think this is a really important question. Yeah, it's a fantastic question. It's actually, it's so important, Matt. It's our focus of the week. What? Our focus of the week, our focus of the podcast is space. Classroom setup, right? I mean, that's ultimately what this is about. It's school and classroom setup. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it is really important. It's, we don't have, I, I mean, I guess there are, there are people who like design schools and things, right? But I don't feel like that there's like, you know, if you're building your house, like you can go get an interior designer like who will come in and help you figure out like the best way to organize and set up the different spaces in your house for the different purposes and atmospheres that you want. Absolutely. We, we don't really get that as educators. We get... I get a square room yeah. with white walls and yeah. 25 desks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like what? You know, and we exactly. talk... I don't know. I don't think... So I think that that's kind of fascinating that outside of public education, there's a lot of thought and emphasis into the designing of space. Mm -hmm. um, and it's only just starting, I, f I feel like it's starting to just catch up and be a thing in public education now. Do you think that's because of the different philosophies of education that are, that are switching? Because, you know, personalized learning is slowly starting, but it's it's becoming a thing that people know about. Yeah. So do you think that those discussions are really getting away from the from the industrial age of education where you have the, you the, the rows of the desks and the, the same things that we mm -hmm. went to school with? Yep. Was, you know, you sat in a row and you were quiet and the teacher was up front and yep. it was a square room with white walls yep. and and that was it. Yep. So with this different paradigm of education now, we're more open to different thinking since we need to, we talk about personalized totally. learning. So do, do the rows work for these particular kids? No. No, I don't. I don't. Oh, I really like what you just said, these particular kids. Cause, oh, I really like that. Cause it, there is absolutely a, um, like a generational aspect to mm -hmm. this. I think there's a lot going on. Um, yes. The traditional, when any of us picture a traditional classroom, when we picture those rows of desks, you know, with like the attached desk chair things like this, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the teacher at the front. That is that. That's an industrial era um, construct. Absolutely. Our education system started them. That was the ideal. That was based on what we knew about production and learning and whatever. And like that was the purpose was like cram as much learning down, you know, produce as many Right. Um, productive society members for that definition of what you needed and to it, be. And it worked perfect. It did work you really know, well. It, the industrial age of education yeah. has worked exactly as designed and it worked perfectly for what it was designed to do. Yeah, it doesn't work anymore. But it doesn't work anymore. No, well, we're, we are no longer in the industrial era. We're we in the, I guess, we, it might be like, is it the era of ideas or whatever? Like the, We're past the technolog technological age, too. I think it's now like the age of ideas is what it might yeah. be. Um, so that requires a different kind of space. And like you think about, um, I'm going to blame it all on the millennials. Oh. Those guys. No, they're, they're good. I like those, them. Oh, okay. Yeah, Shoot, in the, <laughs> I was just going to go somewhere else. <laughs> no, it's good. Darn those it's millennials. Good. It's good. They've kind of... Get off my lawn. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> 
stays. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Stays. Cut out that yeah. part, but that yeah. stays. Stays. They um, they've really pushed that a lot. You know, like the idea of flexible space and space needing to feel more comfortable and conducive to collaboration and creative thinking and multi-purpose. Well, that's that's what a lot of the the technology these days has kind of made happen I guess right that, oh yeah that it's not individualized anymore it, that you you kind of are forced to work together for different things and a lot of you know a lot of the apps on our phones are designed <laughs> to work with somebody else yeah so you're talking to other people yes. or you're doing things with other people it's not and you know it's it, sometimes it seems individualized because everyone stares at their phone all day but yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's really sometimes you're working with other people doing those same right. things so it's yeah. I don't think it's necessarily something that we would have thought of when we grew up no you no know, one, one of the questions that we saw today was how do you de de design your own type of wi-fi if there was no wi-fi what would you do you know foreshadowing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what's happening later yeah. but i'm like i didn't even the internet didn't exist when i was in college for god's sakes <laughs> yeah for the millennials and beyond it's a different like, world it is a different world yeah. and it's so important and so here's some really interesting um things one of my this should be this actually might be a phrase i hate one day oh awesome um not today i have one for today okay. but but maybe i'll talk about this one another time so okay. the research says the research says um and i'm gonna link to the studies where you can kind of read more about this but for today's students mm -hmm. um and i'm paraphrasing um it is it is more likely for students in classrooms where they are arranged in rows with individual desks, it is more likely that they will act out and be dis disengaged. I totally would get that. Yeah, I get it too. Yeah. Like, so, you know, thinking about the learners we have in front of us today and the world they live in and the world in which we need to prepare them for, um, more likely to be bored and act out in rows. So what does the um, research say about fixing that? Um, so what it says about fixing that is that, and this is kind of like where I was going with like the interior design thing, yep. like that when classroom arrangement matches the learning activity purpose, engagement increases. Okay, big duh, right? We are like, no one should be surprised at that statement. Absolutely. <laughs> so we need to be flexible. Um, here are some ideas from Edutopia about kind of like guidelines okay. for thinking about space. Um, that classroom physical environment affects morale and student learning. Makes okay, perfect sense. right again. So picture yourself, picture picture sitting in like you know the cinder block room, just rows. It's boring. There's not a lot of stuff going. Whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the environment should match your objectives, both in terms of human interaction and your instructional approach. I see this all the time, actually. Okay. People are like, oh yeah, group work. You know, or like I've got my kids sitting in groups because that's it. But then they want them to be working individually, mm -hmm. and then they get frustrated because the kids are talking. You put them in groups. Duh. <laughs> like you know. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So so it's like thinking about that. So yeah, we need furniture that is flexible or no furniture and just make it work. You know, we need surfaces and spaces that are flexible for mm -hmm. students to be able to move in and out of the kind of arrangements that they need depending on the purpose of what they're doing. I like that. Um, the arrangement of seating is one major variable. That's number three. Number four, including students, ooh, 
including, I'm going to say this one again, including students in creating the physical environment can enhance the environment, increase the feeling of classroom community, and give students a sense of empowerment. I think that's the one that, of any of these, I think that's the one people miss the most. Yeah. So I remember when I was teaching, my, my first couple of years, I wanted to be the different teacher, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I came into teaching late, so I wanted to just not do the rows and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I put my 28 desks in seven groups of four because mm. that was radical. Math. Yeah. Math. <laughs> and it was. And I thought it was amazing. And kids were like loving this, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks in, it's like, well, they're all in groups. They're all just really just doing the same thing they did. These could be rows and there'd be absolutely no difference. Right. What's not working here? I know what needs to do. I need to change up these groups. So I rearranged the desks. (laughs) And that was great for a little bit. And then it's the same old thing. And I never got around to asking the kids what would work for you guys, including getting rid of the desks, Mm. which I know is a thing now. Mm. Uh, I never asked them. So that's, that's when I knew that seating was an issue, but I never took it farther to ask the students. So... That last one that you just said, yeah. I think is probably the most important one. Yeah. Uh, like with the rest of our academics, right? Include the kids. Right, yeah. It's their space. You know, ask them. They're the ones that have to learn in it. God, it's so obvious, yet we don't. We never think of these obvious I things. I know. Well, so you know what? We have a guest What? Today. Another one? We have them like every episode, I think, right? <laughs> we have like a guest every episode. This is crazy. But we have a guest who was a pleasure to speak to. And we will be speaking with her more often. Yes, we will. Um, she got rid of desks. She did. Yeah, she got rid of desks. She did. So let's let's kind of hear a, about her and um, her journey towards changing the space in her classroom. Sounds good. Well, Courtney, we have a guest today. We do. We do. Her name is Jessie Boyce. And she is from Tyrone Middle School in St. Petersburg, Florida. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you very much. So, Jesse, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I was teaching up there working in um, an alternative education setting. And I got sick of the winter and needed to move to sunshine. <laughs> so here I am. Um, this is my fourth year teaching in Florida. And I was teaching seventh grade math for a couple of years. And then uh, for the past two years, I've been teaching sixth grade math in a magnet program. So most of my students have one-to-one devices, which is pretty fantastic. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So when you were teaching alt-ed, I find that fascinating. My eyebrows were like, aha! (laughs) This tells me something about her. Yes. So what kind of program was that? Was it it middle school students? Were you teaching everything? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the alt-ed. I actually had 7th through 12th grade, um, yeah, math and science. So um, it was any students that had been expelled from public school for drugs or violence or any of that kind of thing. Um, so it was a small class size. I had about five students per class. Um, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind? Yeah, that's amazing. Good mm-hmm. for you. Thank you. I feel like people who've done that job need just heaps of thanks <laughs> and heaps praise. Of thanks, and just like, yeah. Thank you. I actually, I actually loved it. Um, I ended up stopping there because uh, federal funding was. Yeah 
messy. And so they wanted me to stay on, but have half of my salary. And, um, well, you know, well. <laughs> I was like, well, as tempting as that is, I like to pay my bills. So I'm going to have to find something else. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so when you started in the regular ed classroom, what kind of lessons or what dispositions do you think you brought into the classroom from that experience of being an alt ed Ooh. teacher? I have awesome classroom management skills. I bet you for do. Sure. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so when I started at this school, um, which this is a school with kind of a bad reputation for rough kids. It's an inner city, 97% um, low income families. Okay. Um, and everyone's saying, oh, it's so bad. You're going to have such a hard time. And it was a piece of cake for me. Um, <laughs> right, I like, really was kind of that's like, all what you is got? everyone talking about? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. I mean, I just, I love this demographic, um, and I don't know, I just have had so much fun ever since, so cool. I'm glad I made the change. Yeah. Good nice. for nice. you. Yeah, cool. Well, there's yeah. one thing that uh, uh, tipped you off to us uh, and that we heard about was you taking away the desks in your classroom. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the name of your blog, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who needs desks? Who needs my blog. desks? Yeah. So right. we're, I'm very interested in in how you got that idea and and what you what made you basically take that leap uh, from having desks to to like nothing like that and how your kids have reacted and that sort of thing. So I am that student that can't sit still, that can't pay attention, that is constantly leaning over in faculty meetings and talking and all of those kinds of things. Um, so, you know, I'm basically a dream for my boss. Um, <laughs> and I, if I'm doing work, um, I have to be laying on my bed or sitting outside or somewhere comfortable with headphones in and kind of away from everything. And I kind of had this thought process of why can't that translate into the classroom? And I was just kind of, I'm the type of person that if I hear an idea, I'm like, oh yeah, let's do that. I wanna just do it all the way now. Um, so I was doing a book study over the summer. I read uh, Barbara Bray and Kathleen McCloskey's Making Learning Personal. Mm -hmm. And um, someone had mentioned in their flexible seating and I was like, ooh, what's that? That sounds really cool. So I you know, went crazy um, researching online and drawing pictures and I spent all summer. My husband was like, what are you doing? Because I'm just sitting there, oh, I'm drawing pictures of what my classroom needs to look like next year. So um, I just, kind of went for it at the, I started a GoFundMe because as I was buying things, even just from Craigslist and thrift stores and stuff like that, it was getting really pricey. Yeah. And um, I figured that people would be interested in what I was doing because I know that we all learn in different ways. And that's really common for adults too, that they're not going to be sitting in an uncomfortable position for 80 minutes. Um, side note, we're on block schedule. So my class is 80 minutes 80 long. 80 minutes, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, which is a long time to sit still. So um, I thought that people would be interested in that. And so I was able to raise a good chunk of money. And I just kind of, I didn't run it past anyone. I'm kind of an ask for forgiveness kind of person. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I just got rid of everything. Um, my principal walked in one day and said, where are your desks? And I just said, uh, I'm working on it. And just kind of left it at that. And, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, and she said, oh, okay. And then left. And so I got everything in here. And um, I don't know. I just was so excited. So I'm 
the crazy person who was at the store and I saw these huge Adirondack chairs and I was like, those are perfect. And I bought them. And then I remembered that I drive a Hyundai Elantra and I got them <laughs> to my car. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, so um, I just uh, get excited and act on it. But so the night before school started, I was sitting here. I kind of was winding down. It was like 6 p.m. And my principal walked in and I just kind of froze. And I didn't say anything. And I just looked at her and she was like, wow, this is awesome. I love it. Oh, so yeah, dodged nice. a bullet. Uh, <laughs> it really could have gone either way. Right. Um, so it's been really cool. And my kids, I wish I had thought to film the door whenever they were walking in the first day of school. Right. Uh, yeah. They all just like their jaw dropped. Um, and what was my favorite part of my first day of school was by the last block, I had kids as soon as I opened the door, they were like, we've been waiting all day to come to this class. Everybody's talking about it. Aww. And I was like, oh, good. That's exactly what I wanted. Um, yeah. And it's been so interesting to see them just run with it. These kids have, I mean, they're 11, you know. Um, yeah. So I kind of was nervous about how they would react if they would be able to focus and sit wherever they wanted and do what they needed to do. Um, and now that we're about five weeks in, they're doing really well. It took time, of course, uh, but they're yeah. they're doing well. I have two classes that have to have seating charts still because um, they sure. can't <laughs> handle it yet. Sure. But sure. I'm going to do away with it shortly. But my other four classes, they just, they come in, they grab a seat and they pop their headphones in and they get to work and it's awesome. Nice. Very cool. Nice. Now you're trying to do some things with personalized learning this year also? Yes. Can you describe just kind of how that how that works for your kids and, and what it what it means for you and how that works in your classroom. So my biggest challenge is that, um, so I teach advanced math and our pacing guide is insane. So I have, you know, 15 standards I have to do in two weeks and try to <laughs> figure out how to get that to happen. Um, and then another piece that's a little bit tricky with me is that um, in the magnet program, there's not stipulations academically to enter. There's not entry requirements. However, they still are expected to take those advanced classes. So I have um, 48, I believe was the number last time I checked, students who are extremely below grade level who are now taking an advanced math class. Mm. So, right. Wow. So, um, so with the pacing and all of that, I kind of was struggling with how to incorporate the idea of personalized learning fully, that I, I don't want to just say, okay, here's the hundred things we need to hit on. How do you want to do it? So um, I'm doing more of a, a voice and choice, but within a frame, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, um, I, so I do my units um, outlined completely ahead of time. And for each learning target, they have a couple choices of how they want to interact with that information. So if they want to um, watch a video and take notes that way, or if they want to meet with me and um, do it more traditional, or if they want to look through the textbook and do example problems, they can kind of pick and choose. And then there's a couple things that they have to do with me. Um, so my very ambitious goal for the year is that I don't want to do any whole group direct instruction, which is 
not normal for a math class, especially. Nope. <laughs> yeah. um, but like I said, I am the kid that cannot sit there and take notes. Right, um, right. So if they do have to meet with me, of course, but it's always um, maybe maximum eight students. Yeah. So the rest of the class is working on the different items that they have to do. And then I'm able to pull a group and we sit here and we um, dig deeper into the information because I feel like that way it's not able to... Um, have a situation where I'll, I'm talking and all of the students are like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, and 15 of them have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> right. about. No, sure. yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Which happens all the time. We've all been there. So it allows that, um, that closer knit so that they can't really hide behind someone else. And they have to ask those questions that they have. Um, and it's gone pretty well. Of course, I've had some students that after four or five days, I'm like, hey, what have you done? And they're like, I don't know. I've done oh, nothing. Well, yeah, they're middle schoolers. They're <laughs> like, this yeah. is part of it, yeah. is learning right. that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so there's definitely a learning curve. Um, but like I said, we're this is the end of our fifth week. We started super early this year. Um, so at this point, they're getting better at that agency and being able to decide on what things they need to, to work on. And so I gave them this, this roadmap, I called it, and it has all of the things that they have to check off. And some of them just went crazy and just there was a box there. So I checked everything and didn't really understand what it meant. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're kind of getting a handle on it. So my goal is by October to be a well-oiled machine and they know to come in and do what they need to do. So. That's it's going pretty so well. Great. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's How do so? So you're the oh, maybe not the only teacher, but you're kind of an island right now. Like the kids are coming into I'm your island. space, and it feels different. It's arranged different. Even the way they're learning is different. Um, yeah. So what kind of reaction? I'm curious about two things. What kind of reactions have you had from community members, like adults, other teachers, mm-hmm. parents, all that, and then? Um, what have you seen happening or heard kids saying about, like, I'm curious about transfer, you know, about like, mm-hmm. the, because the kids can be a really powerful, um, powerful change agent, right? Right. So I'm okay. kind of curious if you're starting to see any of that or if there's still like, you're the loony, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've always been the loony a little bit. <laughs> um, so at first, whenever, just when we were prepping for school, um, I definitely got made fun of by teachers, which was kind of crazy to me. But yeah. they would just walk in and be like, what, what they're going to sit on the floor? And I'm like, yeah, why not? They're 11. I like to sit on the floor now, you know, and yeah, right. I, I just, yeah. it didn't seem crazy to me. Um, right. So I definitely got made fun of, which was funny. Especially because I'm that like, oh, well, you'll see kind of thing. Totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, but then I did have other teachers who came in and were like, wow, I need to go make some changes and would cool. run out of the classroom. Um, so it was kind of 50-50. Um, I'm not quite sure yet what, um, what the thought process is happening, but I've seen it like leak out a little bit cool. um, among the campus. So I'm really interested in to see what happens in the years coming. Um, as far as parents go, we just had back to school night last week and I was actually really nervous because I mean, what happens when that parent comes up to me and is like, why is your room like this? My kid can't learn like this, yada, yada. And I had none of that. Um, I had a lot of, wow, this is a math class. And I kind of just explained my thought process of like, why does it have to be 
me standing in front okay. and just spewing notes and them just trying, you know, writing furiously, trying to keep up with me. And um, I was welcome, like they welcomed the idea. Every parent that I talked to was so on board once we kind of had that discussion of why it looks the way that it does. Um, I got emails and emails and emails the next day just about how they could tell how much I cared about their kid and that they loved the idea and they're excited to see what happens. So it was all positive, which is really surprising and great. That is, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Good for you. It can be really hard to be the first person to take those steps. Yeah. So good for you for doing that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So as far as transition, I just remembered you said um, the kids haven't really said much about whether it's hard for them to go from my class to other classes. I do know that, you know, I do. That was one thing that um, when I did meet all the parents, every single one of them was like, oh, this is their favorite class. You know, I'm like, well, yeah, because they get to sit on a futon. Right. They're they're, they're allowed to kind of be kids. (laughs) Right. And because I let them listen to music when they're working, which is like this novel concept and they think it's the best thing in the world. But I know that that's when I get my best work done. So why can't it work for them too? Um, So I do know that they're very happy, but I don't know if, you know, when they leave, they're like, oh man, I have to go sit in a chair now. But (laughs) (laughs) they might not ever share that with you. (laughs) So, um, what have you thought about for yourself? Like, because clearly you are a very reflective teacher. So like, um, going forward, you're, you've said that you're kind of picturing October is, is kind of like what your goal for when things are smooth and running. Um, what are some of the, like, what are two things you think you're going to have to do to support your students to get there that maybe you haven't done yet? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a hard one. Um, something that I really want to work on is their pacing. Um, so, you know, I say, okay, you have these six things you have to get done at this point. And then it draws out longer and it draws out longer (laughs) and they just haven't gotten that thing done. I'm like, hey, you only had four questions to do in the past hour. What happened? Um, You know, because they're me. And so they're staring out the window and they're doing whatever. (laughs) So I, (laughs) you know, and I get it. And I'm like, I was trying to put in grades and I didn't do anything either. So, um, but I want them to... I want to work with them to get that res- to take on that responsibility yeah. um, because really I am far behind my pacing guide right now. Um, don't tell anyone, We're not but I them. am. <laughs> Nobody listens. So anyway, I, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, but you know. um, so I, I don't know. I want to to have them have even more agency with that that they're able to see. Okay, here's the things I need to do, and kind of to work with them to figure out how to make their own timeline um, that they're able to do things in a, in a timely fashion rather than just like whenever. Um, And then the other thing is, um, so I'm, I'm starting to do it right now. I have two kids who flew through this unit and to the point that I was like, well, crap, I don't have unit three ready for you. I wasn't expecting them to go that quickly. And because yeah. I have to have the entire unit done ahead of time, it kind of put me in a tizzy. But um, I had them create their own lesson. I said, okay, so you guys obviously have a great hold on dividing fractions. You know what's going on. Now there's kids in this class that don't know what's going on. So can you provide a lesson for them? So they made their own lesson. They made a quiz. They 
figure it out. They're giving it tomorrow, so we'll see. But um, And then they have questions for if the students missed something, how to go over it. And I was like, well, this can be your test grade if you want. And they were like, well, can we take a test too? And I said, okay, you weirdos, you can take a test too, whatever. <laughs> you know, but... I really like uh, the test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So just trying to incorporate more of just, hey, how do you want to show me this? Right. You know, cool. how do you want to show me your learning? Rather, And I've always done like, do you want to do a test or a project? But I want it to be more than that, you know? And so I don't even really know what that looks like yet, but I'm trying to navigate around that. And I mean, maybe I just need to ask them and let them surprise me. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with what I need to work on. So cool. Yeah, Great that's, that's really good. There's, there's yeah. a lot of things that, that you just talked about, which really have nothing to do with math. And it's, right. it's really right. about, you know, building their skills as, as a human, basically. You yeah, know, as a thinker. Problem solving and, and thinking. <laughs> as a which thinker is, and doer. Isn't that yeah. exactly what we want to teach our kids is right. be able to figure their way out of stuff. And I right. love everything you just said, because that's exactly what you're doing with those kids. It's awesome. To me, that's what math is figuring out how to solve problems in a bunch of different ways. And it's not about fractions. <laughs> no! Fellow oh. math teacher, I you love know? this. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this is really good. It's true, though. Yeah, math can be so cool. Yeah, yeah. it can be. But we've always I, made it you're boring. You're the first person I've heard say that, and I appreciate it. Well, <laughs> it can be. It can oh, be so I know. Cool. Well, that's the thing. If, I, I think it. something that um, I guess kind of sets me apart in that way is that rather than getting a degree in secondary education and then take – or I'm sorry, in, second, in math and then taking a test on um, how to be a teacher, that's I got my yeah. degree in teaching. So, like, I know the psychology behind kids – kids are what I know. Yeah. That's the same thing that you I know? did actually. Right. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. really interesting. Well, education, like, not math. Right. And so. then, and mm -hmm. did you, did you go right into teaching all dead or did you do something else before you actually entered the classroom? What did I do? Um, I was working as a, I worked for title one schools, bringing in um, math and reading tutoring to students who couldn't afford to go. I worked for Huntington Learning Center. Okay. Um, yeah. So students that couldn't go to the center because it was so crazy expensive. So I kind of, I ran the program for a couple of different school districts where I would send tutors into the schools to teach those students. So I did that for three-ish years. Yeah. Um, so I graduated uh, college in 2008, which was the worst time to graduate college ever. <laughs> yeah. um, so there were zero teaching Ouch. jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I just had to take it with any, any way that I could. But that gave me a really good experience working with Title I and, um, and those and, and very low-level kids and right. getting them where they needed to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you bring some really powerful knowledge to the, to the regular ed classroom, for sure. Uh, so, Jesse, the two questions that we always ask our guests, uh, we're going to start with the first one. Uh, what is your biggest do-do? And then what is your biggest don't-do? You laugh every time. We do. So, my biggest do-do would be just to go for it. Um, I think whenever people get ideas and they get really nervous, that that's when, um, when things fail. So I'm just like, hey, jump and see what happens. So that's my biggest do-do. Uh, my biggest don't do is to not get discouraged um, if things don't go exactly how you expect them to go whenever you first start out. I mean, even with this, I was like, okay, 
this could go really, really badly or it could go really, really well. And let's just figure it out. And it was neither of those things. It was really good points and then sometimes not so good points. And I kind of had to navigate around that and see how things worked. So I think just really not giving up even in those moments where I kind of wanted to pull my hair out because they won't stop talking while they're sitting in these seats, um, you know, and just kind of figuring it out. What, you know, that's, that's huge. And now I'm in a way different spot than I was at the beginning. So nice. Cool. Very impressive. Jesse, this has been fabulous talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. It's been yeah. awesome. Yes. We will talk to you again and hear Sounds more good. about. So actually, before we go, Jesse, you have a Twitter. I do. It is, if I remember, it's at Jess, J-E-S-S, the letter X, and yo, Y-O. There nice. we go. Good. All right. Yeah, we're looking okay. at it, too. Yeah, so yep, that's, that's correct. You got your Twitter right. Let me, well, okay, let me, tell, let me tell you the story. So when I was in college, for some reason, they had that my full first name was Jess instead of Jesse, and that my, I didn't have a middle name, even though I do. So everything said Jess X on it. And so all of my friends just called me Jess X. <laughs> and, um, and my maiden name is Young. So oh, Jess cool. X Young. And That's so it just kind of stuck and stayed. Fantastic. <laughs> That's really yeah. good. Uh, Jesse, yeah. you also blog at whoneedsdesks.wordpress.com. I do. Uh, and I've read a bunch of those in the last week or so, and they are fantastic. So please Thank keep you, doing girl. it, of course. Yes, I will. And uh, we'll put those links right in the show notes. So anybody awesome. that likes to follow Jesse or read her blogs uh, can do that uh, directly from our show notes. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Courtney, that might have been one of the better interviews that we've done. Mm-hmm. So Jesse was amazing. Yeah. She has it together. She has ideas and goes for them. Yeah. I love that. How huge was that? The, like, that's design living oh right God. there. Like, it try so it. Just do it. It it's was either, so good. It's, it's either going to fail or be great. Turns out it was somewhere in the middle. Like, that's like... <laughs> like, that's good, though. Yes. That's good. That's how it goes. That's good. Uh, we are going to have Jesse on again uh, probably in a couple months. Yeah. Uh, just to catch up where, where we are with her. Right on. All awesome. Right. You know All what right. it's time for? What is it time for? Terms and phrases we hate. My favorite part. I, okay. favorite. I had one last week, so Courtney, this is I've, your turn. I've got one. And I don't know what it is because I don't I see it on our Google on, Doc. Yeah, I didn't put it in okay. your Google Doc. But this... you'll understand something that happened earlier in the podcast when I, when I, when I tell you oh, okay. my phrase that I hate. Go for it. I cannot stand the phrase, throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> I thought you weren't going to say that. <laughs> I said it because I hate it. Okay, go. I don't like it because, like all of our other phrases, it's it's used as a like protection device. And you know what? <laughs> a, it's just a really weird idiom to begin with. Like what? I I guess I don't understand the historical context, but it disturbs me in general the idea of throwing a baby out with the bathwater. But like, you know, come on. <laughs> First of all... So it's the imaging that bothers you. It's the imaging that bothers me <laughs> a lot, actually. But, like, see, the thing is, is, like, many times, not all times, many times when people use this phrase, you know, when we're in the midst of change and it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, we just, we, we have to make sure we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. Like, inside, I'm like, I think the things that you think are the baby are actually, like, hairy pieces of soap. Correct. We should not, as you were saying earlier, there are things that we do that are great 
and hold up in personalized learning. <laughs> but there are things that are just moldy old soap that need to be thrown away. So like my like yeah. I don't like that phrase because I think people aren't really taking the time to make sure what they think is the baby really is the baby. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. It's a, again, it's a phrase we hate because it's used in the wrong way. It's used in the wrong way. Yeah, okay. That was a fantastic one. <laughs> okay, it's time for our final segment of the week. Resource Review Corner! Okay, this is where we tell about something that uh, we just want to share with you. Yeah. So I want to share with you this week a book that actually matches up with what we've been talking about, this idea of space and kind of taking, you know, design principles, interior design principles into the classroom. It is called The Third Teacher by, um, it's kind of by an architecture firm and this other guy. So it's O'Donnell, Wickland, Pigozzi, and Peterson. That's the firm. And uh, Bruce Mao. We're going to link to this. Yeah, it's linked to it. But basically, it, yeah, it talks about this idea that the space of a place is as much as a, an influence on learning as the teacher. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And yeah, it, that's really And neat. it gives you some practical ideas, which is always a good thing for that's teachers. That's always useful. That is always useful. Uh, Courtney, I think we just had a great show. We had a great show. So we thank Jesse Boyce for talking with us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're about done here. Awesome. We'll talk to you all next time.